Assume, for the sake of argument, that conscious beings have existed for some 20 million years. See what strides machines have made in the last thousand? May not the world last 20 million years longer? If so, what will they not in the end become? Is it not safer to nip the mischief in the bud and to forbid them to further progress? That's an excerpt from Samuel Butler's novel, Irwan, published in 1872. 1872. This is one of the earliest mentions of a robot uprising. So the idea of machines taking over and developing sentience is a time-honored plot. But it's just science fiction, right? I'm Jacqueline Swan, and this is Technality, a podcast that explores how technology is shaping the future we're headed towards. And today, I'm hoping I pass the Voight-Comp test. Uh, the first algorithmic short story I wrote was in 2017 for Wired. Um, and basically, since then, I've kind of been obsessed with the subject. This is Stephen Marsh. I'm a writer. My latest book is The Next Civil War, but I often write about AI, and I've, I've been using it in my writing for quite a while, so I have some familiarity with using large language models and what they do and what they don't do. Google recently suspended a software engineer for leaking chatbot transcripts. The engineer claimed that the chatbot, Lambda, was showing signs of consciousness. The engineer was blowing the whistle on a potential ethics violation that Google had created a sentient AI. Google's the same company that fired its AI ethics team, which is part of the reason why this claim seems so controversial and believable. The ethical situation is a completely different one. Like, that's Timnit Debru, and she is a the most important voice in uh, AI ethics, I believe. And she wrote the most important work on stochastic parroting, which is a real, real serious danger with this technology and is not to be taken lightly at all. And her firing is a very, very grave matter. I've written about it. I don't particularly believe Google's excuses about why it happened. But as for the you know engineer who thinks he saw a consciousness on Lambda, you know, Lambda is not even a very powerful large language model. You know, it only has 160 billion parameters like Palm, which I'm writing about which now and I just got a demonstration of, is 540 billion parameters. It's way, way more powerful than Lambda ever was and can do all kinds of things like low-level reasoning and logical induction and joke explanation and translation between languages and 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 can do and it can code like it, you can tell it something in natural language and it will encode i find it just bizarre that he that he th sort of thought lambda had a soul when it's not even that powerful the thing you have to remember about all this technology is that all it is is text prediction software all it does is try and compute what word makes sense next talking about it having consciousness because it can talk is sort of like saying that a pocket calculator has consciousness because it can do math. These are just a string of algorithms. They have no will, no engineer that I've talked to. And I've talked to, you know, many of the absolutely most leading engineers in this field would say they're even on a path to consciousness. The thing is, you, we don't have a good understanding of consciousness at all. We don't have a falsifiable thesis of consciousness. We don't have a scientific definition of consciousness, really. We don't even have a scientific definition of perception. We don't, there's no way that you could tell if a machine were conscious or not. So if you don't know what something is, you can't really program it 
to do that. But, you know, when he says, I know a soul when I see one, you're talking about what a human being is. And people have been trying to figure out what a human being is for, you know, 3,000 years. And it's not a casual question. Like, it's actually a question that requires a lot of consideration and a lot of, and, you know, has a deep history behind it. It's not something that you can, you know, figure out at lunch between coding sessions and that kind of naivete around humanistic questions in, in the engineering class is also pretty upsetting to me. There is no test to determine what would be sentient. I mean, they have, they have their tests for the functions of language. So translation and believability as people and, you know, the Turing test and so on. But those are not the same thing as testing for consciousness because we don't know what consciousness is. I mean, we have a lot of theories, you can go and read Freud, but Freud's not useful if you're trying to program a computer, right? Like if you're trying to get a computer to say, this is conscious and this is not, we have no idea what that is. And the neuroscientists are the first people to tell you that, right? If the neuroscientists say we don't really have a falsifiable theory of the color red. It's this kind of naivete around these questions that leads to this phony debate around artificial general intelligence. That's that's really much more obscuring than it is revealing. To me, where we are with AI right now, with linguistic AI in particular, I think it's at the stage roughly where film was when they started showing clips of trains entering stations for 40 seconds and people showed up and jumped out of the way of the trains. We're not used to this technology, so we don't really know what it's going to do. One of the things that it's going to make very possible is for quite realistic imitations of consciousness. And that's already been seen in programs like Project the December Project, where you know they can scrape data from your dead relatives and dead loved ones and recreate their personalities in bot form. And that's also been seen in various artistic projects, recreated Shakespeare's and so on. And it definitely creates confusion about when someone is speaking to you, when something is speaking to you, when you read a text, whether it's actually from a person or from a machine. So the consequences of that are, of course, potentially vast. They're facing them with Project December, where you have people who've recreated their dead girlfriends online, and they believe that those, when they ch chat with their dead girlfriends, they believe they're chatting with their, you know, with this dead person. And then when they turn it off, are they killing their girlfriend, right? But that's obviously, that's a, program that's not a real human being that's it, it's like burning a photograph like a photograph of a person is not a person the innovation that's happening is not what is in the movies it's something much weirder and much more profound going on in the very understanding we have of language itself it doesn't have to be a robot lost in space it's something that really is going to question what we consider a human being to be we don't have a lot of ways of thinking through this stuff, but that line between what's just the illusion of a human and what's a human is gonna get a lot blurrier. The idea that there's real consciousness there is ludicrous. You may as well say a pocket calculator has real consciousness. The concept of sentience is one humans have explored for years, arguably ever since we gained sentience. The fact that we can't explain what it is makes it difficult to assume that we can spot it in an AI and that the AI has gained it itself. I've had conversations that have seemed completely natural, like like this guy, right? Like this engineer head with his chatbot, 
where he really felt like he was talking to someone. Like I've absolutely had that experience where you just, much like when you're reading a novel and you get engrossed in it, you, and you believe the characters are real, you know, that can easily happen with these chatbots, right? Like it's a, but that's what they are. They're characters that are created through tricks of language, right? Or tricks of technology in this case. So that feeling of being engrossed by them is really like an ecstatic experience, right? And so where that is going to is extremely important. I mean, like, I I, I just think that's that's going to be one of the most interesting questions of the next 10 years. And it is going to be like film, like whoever figures out how to manipulate this creatively is also going to be able to figure out how to manipulate it politically and economically. And what we, we don't know what the consequences of that will be. According to Stephen, an AI can't gain sentience because we don't actually know what that entails. He also believes that people are missing the real potential applications and effects that this technology has, whether those effects are for the better or worse. Because at the end of the day, AI is a powerful tool even if it's still in its infancy. After the break, we'll dive into the more likely future of AI technology besides a robot uprising. A lot of AIs are built on language models. Simply put, the AI uses statistical techniques to determine the likelihood of words occurring in a sentence. The AI is essentially trained to predict what words are likely to come next. Again, this is a basic definition and the science behind language models goes deep. These language models can solve things that we don't think of as language. So they can solve math problems if you do chain of reasoning with them. If you explain to them in language how the math works, then they can solve the math problems. And if you explain to them the code you want, it can make the code that you need, right? And then also, what are we going to be able to ask it eventually that we can't do, that it can, you know, that is beyond our capabilities, but is not beyond the capabilities of something invested with, say it gets to a trillion parameters, which is the number of neurons in the human brain. Like what, what happens when it gets past that and it's able to answer questions that we could ask, but can't answer. Like for one thing, like the undergraduate essay, which is the basis of our entire education system, that's history. You can already use GPT-3 to write a thousand word essay on a given subject that is totally original and you can't find on the internet and which will get you an A. It's going to transform the basis of how we use language. And it's hard to think of anything more central to humanity than, than, than its use of language. We are language animals. I have seen, you know, I have a PhD in Shakespeare. I've been around my uh, language is what I do. I would never have thought that the way to get to meaningful applications of images, meaningful applications of math, of coding, mathematical reasoning would be language, but it is like language is the way station of meaning. Everything else is going to be, is filtered through these large language models. That in itself is just bizarre. You would think it would be mathematics, right? Like you would think it would be something more sensible than just, you know, English, Bengali and French and Kosa. Like, but that's all we are. We're just those things. It's fascinating. I mean, it's just such a fascinating moment. And I think we are really missing the point of it. There are real possibilities here of getting at a, an approach to knowledge that is transcends the human capacity to understand it. And, and, and imagine the social and political consequences of that, where you have machines capable of answering any question that you ask, how to plan a city, how to you know, go to space. We're on the path to that. Whereas human consciousness, we're no, we're, whereas a, an artificial consciousness, 
we're not anywhere on the path to. Like, that's just not in the cards. Bill Gates and Elon Musk, two people who aren't exactly technophobes, have stated that AI is one of the greatest threats to humanity. Stephen doesn't quite agree with that. You know, when people say the greatest threat to the world three years ago, that was a different world. Like, the greatest threat to the world is being bombed by nuclear weapons. I actually think, you know, one of the things that happens with AI quite a bit is that it stalls. With machine learning, which is, you know, the entire basis of this particular branch of AI, they thought there would be self-driving cars. We're a long way from self-driving cars. People said that, Jeffrey Hinton said, like, there shouldn't be any human radiologists anymore. It's all going to be solved by artificial intelligence. No, there's, there's not, it hasn't done anything. AI, when it was used in COVID, like they tried to use it to aid COVID research. One of the reports I saw said of 200 studies, zero, 200 attempts to use AI on COVID research, zero had been successful. So this stuff is totally fascinating and it is totally mesmerizing to me. I'm totally fascinated by it, but it also is subject to a massive hype machine that, of course, Silicon Valley is afflicted with in, in every aspect of its business. And that also prevents people looking at it rationally. I don't think it's a threat to humanity. I mean, there are so many threats to humanity. I wouldn't put it in the top 10. Making the Earth uninhabitable, I'd put that way at the top of your list. Sky, Skynet, where, like that whole stuff, the singularity old stuff, pure fiction. That's like religious belief. There's no, there's no, there's no rational basis for that. At the end of our conversation, I asked Stephen if he had any final thoughts on AI and where it's going. It goes by such leaps. Like I was interviewing some Google engineers who were working on Palm just yesterday, and I asked them, where do you think this will be in three months? And uh, sorry, where do you think this will be in five years? And they just laughed in my face. You know, they just were like, we don't know because we don't know. They just, they develop modalities and capabilities all the time using the stuff that they had no idea would exist. And so those kind of leaps are quite random, like, and it, or it could just stop, right? Like suddenly all the development could just stop because it's so little understood what they're building. That makes it basically prediction impossible. I mean, in 2017, I was creating my own, you know, algorithmic short story writing technology with a computer scientist at University of Toronto. And that, that was all very well and good. You know, three years later, there's GPT-3, which, you know, you can write in a paragraph and then it will continue the paragraph in perfect English, in a perfectly coherent way, uh, you know, in, 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 a, in a millisecond. I think it might be a tool for fun. Like, I think that might be, it's a, like, I think one of the things is we, because we've seen so many technologies start out with this promise and then just get immediately horrible, like just be abused immediately. Um, we naturally assume that's what will happen with AI. But I wonder if it's not the other way around that we think AI is a monster, but it actually might turn out to be just great. Like, I don't, I think that's actually quite possible to me. Like that it might actually turn out to be just really a wonderful little addition to the world. It's, I, I know that sounds crazy, but you know, it also would have been crazy to say in 1999 that like Google was going to lead to one of the worst information environments in history. But that happened. You know, I don't think we really know what the future holds. At this point, we don't really know how AI is going to affect our lives. While this technology has been around for decades, it's still in its infancy. The engineers creating the technology still don't fully understand it either. 
What we do know is that an AI achieving sentience seems like a work of science fiction. Some things, of course, though, are stranger than fiction. So while I agree with Steven that I don't think the Google engineer found sentience, I struggle to say it will never happen. It might not be in the near future. It may never happen. But to completely rule out something we don't understand also doesn't feel right. One could say I'm agnostic when it comes to AI sentience. The real focus should be on what this technology can currently accomplish and what it's being created to eventually do. Because while not conscious, it is like a secondary brain that will eventually surpass our own potential. Like Stephen was saying, in the same way a pocket calculator can give you the answer to complex math problems, AI will be able to help us find the answers to problems that we can't necessarily compute on our own. And that, at the end of the day, is a powerful tool to wield. As a society, we need to be mindful of who is wielding those tools and what they're trying to accomplish with their AI at the end of the day. Thank you for listening to Technality, a Narcity podcast. It's hosted and produced by me, Jacqueline Swan. To stay up to date on how technology is impacting our future, subscribe to Technality wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find more future content over on Technality Socials.